Yay, new dildo. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies that we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. Am I in this? And that's Bryce. And this time around, uh, we have a film from a director who, I guess I'm kind of surprised. I thought we might never have a movie from this director on our show. But we're going to be watching Hook from 1991, directed by Steven Spielberg. So we're actually <laughs> calling into Spielberg? question whether a Spielberg movie is a fantastic, awesome movie. Huh. Well, I had no idea this was by Spielberg. Really? So... Yeah, I didn't either. That one. Interesting. I feel like there's a there's a set of Spielberg movies that could be called into question, though. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen. Is it is it 1941? It's something like that. 1941 or 1942, like a World War II comedy that I've never seen. Oh God, what? <laughs> oh, a World yeah. War II comedy. Wow. Like like springtime for Hitler in Germany? <laughs> I, I don't think it's quite that beat, but yeah. So it's it was 1941 was the movie John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. I've never seen it, um, but yeah, I guess there are some other lesser known Spielberg movies that may not be masterpieces. I don't know, um, but yeah, we're talking about Hook from 1991, which I always kind of think of as. You remember when we were watching Men in Tights and I said there's just too many Robin Hood movies? And I think I said there's too many <laughs> there's Peter just Pan too movies. Too many men in tights. <laughs> too, too many tights. No, there's there's too many Peter yeah. Pan movies, I think. I would agree. Yeah. And a lot of them are bad. Yeah. This to me is the Peter Pan movie with celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. Which was always kind of a weird thing. Like it's all famous people. Didn't the newer one have some big name people too. I don't know, but it tanked yeah. real hard. Yeah. I never saw it. I don't even know which newer one you're talking about. I think there was oh, it like there was one with Johnny Pan? Depp where he played Barry, like he played the writer of Peter Pan, and then it like leaked. Oh, into that his one's life. fantastic. Yeah. actually. What was that? Uh, called? Yeah, oh, but Finding it's not Neverland? really about. Yeah, 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 like yeah. But that's not really like a Peter Pan story. Yeah. It's like a memoir mm-hmm. or a biography of the guy who wrote it. Yeah. But there's that really creepy Peter Pan from when Ash and I were probably about 12 years old, 13 years old. Or like, it was super creepy. Is that the one where the lady played Peter Pan? Because there's one where there's a lady no. who plays Peter. Well, that's, that's tradition that's typically- in the theater from what I understand. So some of the earlier films... It was women, just because that was always the theater tradition. Just because, you know, women grow up to become men, and that makes sense. No, it's because they, it's cause they were light enough for the, um, the flying mechanism oh. in the theater. And, oh. At least from what, from what I've heard. I don't know. And wasn't that a, a Shakespearean thing as well? Or what, it was the other well, way, guys playing women? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Women weren't allowed to be actresses. Right. You know. Because we're inferior and everything. So guys get to play women. And then it's really funny because then the women are suddenly men and, you know. Men and tights. (laughs) Tights. Tights, yeah. (laughs) The one, the Peter Pan I'm talking about uh, came out in 2003. And I'm looking at the cast right now on IMDb and apparently it wasn't as star-studded as I had believed it to be. Yeah. Jason Isaacs, Olivia Williams. Yeah, I just feel like it's not as big name as yeah. Yeah, we have you know Julia Roberts and yeah. So we've got in this movie Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins. Julia Roberts is in this. I totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. What? Wow. It's been a long time. Gotta wait and see. Which is kind of the point, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And I thought you know instead of like talking too much about you know, these actors' careers, which would be hours and hours, maybe put a little context of, of this point in time. So this movie was 1991. So it was after Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but right before Jurassic Park. 
So that's Ooh. that's our time period. Um, for Dustin Hoffman, this would have been uh, three years after Rain Man, uh, one year after Dick Tracy. For Robin Williams, this is Fisher King Dead Poet Society era. And for Julia Roberts, this would have been just after Sleeping with the Enemy and just after Flatliners and Pretty Woman. Wow. And so they were all like at the top of their game, kind of. Yeah, and I, I think... All of them, well, Dustin Hoffman, I think, had the biggest career before that. I was surprised that The Graduate was 1967. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I think most of these others had a huge career after this, although Pretty Woman seems to be Julia Roberts' pinnacle, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think Bob Hoskins, everybody knows from Roger Rabbit, and that was 88, yeah. so that Bob was Hoskins. three years before this. So he... I think already had his pinnacle. I mean, I guess you could argue that Robin Williams already had a comedy pinnacle, and then this was his transition into series. Like this you know, was his period of series. I might have, I might have said that. Except I was looking back at Robin Williams, and his first real film was Moscow on the Hudson. So I think he hmm. started dipping his toe in drama pretty quickly, and then Dead Poets Society and Fisher King were before one. this movie. Yeah, I just mean it was. I I meant it, I thought when it was did, during that period. But yeah. when did Goodwill Hunting come out? Like ninety eight? Um, I don't think quite that late. I want to say ninety three or ninety four. Because that was pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think so Robin Williams probably like... had that ability to go back and forth the whole oh, time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was very successful with that. Okay, so you were closer. Goodwill Hunting was 97. Yeah, and then when did like Mrs. Doubtfire come out? Sorry, to make you look up stuff. I think I think that was much closer. <laughs> I think that was 92 or 93. I can't find my phone. I need like a Robin Williams timeline. I don't think I'm alone except maybe in in this group in in thinking that he, a lot of his movies were really not good, but like there was a period where a lot of them were really great. And is this like in the middle of that period or is this like at the end of that? At what point in the Robin Williams is a good actor does this movie fall? I think, uh, so first Mrs. Doubtfire is 93, so it's right at the same time. But I, I think you're wrong. I think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there was like I a good too. Robin Williams, turning point bad Robin Williams. I think it was back and forth. Well, you said something that to me specifically is very different. There can be a bad Robin Williams film, but that doesn't mean that he's a bad actor. That just means that was a bad film. So I think those yeah. are two different arguments. In my opinion. May maybe, yeah. but I feel like an actor can choose their parts. Sure. But you don't necessarily but, know what's gonna happen with the director you're working with or the studio. Like I don't I don't necessarily think that that would be his fault. I would uh, yeah, actors often get to choose their roles, but sometimes stuff doesn't come together. You know, I would refer you to I just watched The Tourist, which was a mistake. Great actors in just a horrible movie. I think that definitely happens pretty regularly, actually. I mean, I, you know, I think you might be super right, though, Nick, about the just the inconsistency. The back and forthness. The oh, my Goodwill God. Hunting and Flubber came out in the same year. Oh, which, my God. Which of those is the good one and which is the bad one? Because it's not Flubber. Because I would disagree. I would say, I mean, Flubber is a better movie than Goodwill Hunting. You but I think Robin Williams what? is great in Goodwill Hunting. You don't like Goodwill Hunting? I remember really liking Flubber when it came out. I mean, I was the target audience because I was a certain <laughs> age, but I remember really eight. liking it. When I went to go see Flubber, I think I was the only person in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I love when that Does happens. Does he just do, like, a serious movie and a comedy to, like, balance himself out? Because, like... The, on the IMDb, J Jack and the Birdcage, same year. Well, I mean, if you were oh, an actor exploring both of those paths, you'd probably enjoy that. You know, let well, me. Well, yeah. I guess that's the thing that I was wondering. Like, maybe it's not so black and white back then as it is today. Like, I feel like if you're an actor branded as a comedian, you know, it seems like it's harder for people nowadays to transition back and forth fluidly from dramatic to funny. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, he was in freaking Fern Gully as the bat. Oh yeah, 
I didn't know that. Sorry, you were having something really thoughtful to say, and I just chopped you up. Price check um, on prune juice. Price check on prune juice. <laughs> uh, I was just saying, you know, it seems like like Melissa McCarthy, for example, she seems very branded as you're a comedian, yeah, she's and stuck. while she's yeah, and you know, you don't see very many actors, I think, transition back and forth nowadays, uh, except for like James Franco, who. That motherfucker does it, but I don't know. Well, I think Robin does Williams he? and Tom Hanks <laughs> are the the most are the best examples of that. And um, yeah, yeah. Oh God, who's who's agree. Batman? Michael Keaton. Well, <laughs> who that's is a Batman? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been wondering. But yeah, Michael Keaton definitely pulled that off. Oh but, yeah. But I think you're probably right that now anybody really launching their career now is probably going to get stuck. In one or the other. Yeah. Well, that's it's also kind of a weird film industry thing that has really shifted where it, the people who like describe, you know, cinema don't really consider comedy, like comedies as like serious filmmaking. Totally. You know, they don't. They, they kind of look down on it, which is sad because yeah. back in like the 40s and 50s, comedies used to win Best Picture. And now it's like super serious films. Okay. Yeah. So. so how about this for counterpoint? Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Okay. He's been, he's been playing that game. Who that? Oh, um, he's a Saturday Night Live guy. He was uh, oh. in Horrible Bosses. What else was really recognizable? Oh, but he's yeah. done. But a l- does he is he doing it successfully? I don't think so. I, I think he's I, very I'm, successful in small dramas that aren't getting you know, a ton of success. But I think the dramas that he's doing are really good and really well respected. And also he's in the Angry Birds movie. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Well done, Sudeikis. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, like it's really easy for us to be like, Oh, I can't believe he took that Angry Birds position, but it's also like, yeah, he probably needed to make some money, right? Like at the end of the day, acting's still a also- job. Yeah. Also, for animated films, it's super easy for actors. Like, they don't have to get dressed up. They don't have to, like, hit marks and, like, remember action. They literally, it's like a two or three day thing. They go in, they film it or record it, and they can be, like, as crazy as they want um, with their actions and everything. And it's really easy, and most of them really enjoy it. So, I'd like to think they still do the work of developing a character. But I think, yeah, it's a much smaller subset of what you would need to do for live action. Yeah, well, a lot of live action, you do all the prep work. And then the filming is also like an insane amount of work. You know, you have your crazy early call times. You have to wait for grip and lighting, la, 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 la. And then you get to do your acting. Whereas like in an animated film, they're like, show up at 10 a.m. and then start recording and then they just go into a booth and do their thing. Yeah. Animated films so. are the actor equivalent of working from home. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Pajamas. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they usually don't and they still get a star wagon. I but, would. You know. I'd show up in my pajamas and be like, yeah. let's do this. Pajama party. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. We're talking about actors who ride that line between comedy and drama and then this movie also has Dustin Hoffman, who I think has done that yeah, very well. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. is true, I yeah. Mean, look at that bizarre situation with uh, Dick Tracy. Compare that to like Tootsie, hilarious, graduate, very grounded, yeah. kind of weird drama. Rain Man is kind of your pinnacle of drama. So this guy plays that game. That's true. Um, I've, I've never seen Dick Tracy. It's weird, man. Oh, it's Oh, yeah. It's, you know, many years before they found or figured out how to do comic book movies. It's a weird one. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, even even Bob Hoskins, who's not like a superstar, I think he rides that line very well, too, between drama and comedy. So I think you've got a bunch of actors in this movie who are those people, which I think kind of makes this movie weird. So, you know, when I look back on this movie, I can't say I remember loving it. I kind of remember it being a movie that that I was confused by the tone of it, where I wasn't sure if it was comedy or what. Wow. Am I remembering this wrong? I I can see how you would think that. 
but I didn't feel that way. Yeah, I guess I can see how you think that because there are elements of humor to the movie, but it does. I I wouldn't call it a comedy because I think it genu- genuinely takes itself pretty seriously. Okay. But um, I mean, I'll just counterpoint with I remember absolutely loving this movie. This is one of the movies that. I watched many times as a child, and um, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I feel like I've seen it maybe in the past, like, 10 years or so. I don't know. Maybe not, but I I always remember enjoying this film every time I saw it. I, you know, Robin Williams kind of plays, he plays both fields in this movie. He plays both serious, but he still has a little bit of his comedic genius in there. Do you feel um, like which, it's, it's the Jumanji thing? I... I think this is going to be way better than Jumanji. No, I mean, his his performance. It's like, yeah, on paper it's serious, but he's got that childlike behavior that makes it a little funny. Yeah, I guess I guess so. You know, for the first half of the film, he isn't like that, though. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much of the movie you remember, but he's the stuffy grown-up adult who doesn't want to... Uh, be childlike at all and it's not till the second half of the movie that that really blossoms and he starts embracing that because he's in neverland yeah i don't remember this very well but that sounds like a thing that robin williams can pull off yeah and it's it does it it honestly it would remind me more like mrs doubtfire where you know mrs doubtfire kind of the same path where it starts out where he's kind of Mm -hmm. that's the whole like antithesis for everything is that he's too kid like like he lets his kids throw that party yeah Yeah, he has his heavy drama stuff at the very very end it's true and in the middle he's all yeah i guess i'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) he he, like goes up a level is what i'm trying to say as opposed you know same here he like embraces and goes up a level but yeah i remember really liking it okay so i have good and when i told the cashier at trader joe's (laughs) that we were watching hook she got like super excited and i don't want to jinx it but she was like i just watched it again and it's it's good, she said. So we'll see. But, I just well, I want you to recognize. I don't know how qualified the Trader Joe's cashier is to give me movie uh, advice. At, but. at, at one point in time, that, that was me. To the Trader Joe's cashier about your podcast is the most hipster thing to do. Oh look, <laughs> she asked me. Okay, she asked. She asked about your she podcast. Asked, <laughs> she asked about my weekend plans. Uh, I told her we were watching movies, and then the conversation expanded. So, Sam, what do you expect to get out of this? Is this one of those movies you loved? I I don't remember, like, loving, loving it, but I definitely enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, I think the reason why I didn't love it is because I didn't actually personally own it on VHS. (laughs) That was a requirement, so you could watch it over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, this was, like, the movie I watched, you know, once or twice at Grandma's house. So, because Grandma loved I, this yeah, shit, she did. Like, she introduced me, me to me Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, she introduced me to some good movies. Apparently, well, I thought I thought they were good. You know, Willow was one of them, but we'll see. Legend was one of them, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we know how that came out. So, so who knows? But she also introduced me to Princess Bride, which is flawless and amazing. Yeah. So. I I expect to enjoy this. I don't expect it to be a perfect movie, but I definitely think it will hold up in terms of like watchability and just entertainingness. Brett, Brett, are you the one that's bringing this movie to the table? Who who brought this to the table? Why are we watching this? This was uh, was Sam's suggestion. I just remember we had talked about Hook. I just remember we had talked about wanting to do it, and I was like, we all want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if nobody wants to watch this movie, we can just move on with our lives. (laughs) No! (laughs) I want to watch it! Oh, man. So, I have a couple of memories of this movie and it's not so much memories about a specific viewing as it is two separate reactions to it. Once when I was younger and I was like, yeah, what a great movie. And then I feel like once when I was in middle school and I watched this again and at some point I was just like, this is fucking dumb and like turned it off. Aww. Interesting. 
So I know in me there is the potential for for both loving and hating this movie this time around. Because to be fair, Brett, you were a little bit of an asshole. In I was an asshole. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're like, empathy? God, turn it off. Yeah. But thinking back, the, the things that Very I can accurate. remember, I, th- I think I'm going to like this one. Uh, and I usually don't do this, but I, I with Nick's saying of, of how many stars are in this film, uh, I had to scroll down the list a little further. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Carrie Fisher and uh, <gasps> George Lucas making out on a bridge. What? Carrie Fisher's in this? Making And also what? A, uh, a cameo by Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, Does that's he have Jurassic two World. margaritas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does he have two mar- margaritas he's taking to safety? He is the shoe-stealing pirate whenever that comes up. The shoe that, that makes Wait. sense. Why is Carrie Fisher making out with who? Who'd you say again? George Lucas. Why? On a bridge? What? It's <laughs> I don't know, but it's in there. So and is that in spoilers? And also is we have uh, see. Maggie Smith, who we all oh, know is yeah. Professor McGonagall from the Harry yes. Potter and the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey. So I'm I'm excited to see her. What do you think, Bryce? Is this gonna be any good? In all, in all seriousness, I, I did see this movie when I was a kid, and I really liked it. Oh, really? So This is Bryce walking that line between comedy and drama. That's, <laughs> that's a very heartfelt, emotional, uh, thought-out opinion from Bryce there. That's like under 10 words still. You hooked us with that review. Oh, God. Wow. Take it back. <laughs> Never. So we're going to rewatch Hook, and uh, like unlike most of the movies we've been watching lately, this one actually is on Netflix, and I actually had a little uh, 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 brain failure a moment ago when I searched for Netflix on Netflix, but <laughs> <laughs> I was able to back up and find the movie. Um, so yeah, on your typical online rental services, but also available on Netflix. So we're going to rewatch it, and then we'll come back and see how we feel. Music transition. Music transition. Good job. <laughs> so we just finished rewatching Hook, the Spielberg Peter Pan classic. And I think we should address the elephant in the room. I think this movie has stolen a lot from Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> Specifically the tights. <laughs> I kind of felt like that too. There were a couple scenes like <laughs> like when all the the boys the little boys dressed up like pirates. I was going to say I was like this is the thing that Brett pointed out in the last movie that he said stole from another movie. Yeah. <laughs> they even made jokes about the tights. I thought you were going to address the elephant in the room that Hook is not on Netflix. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. For our listeners who don't know, Nick is currently in Italy. And apparently in Italy, you can watch Hook on Netflix, but in the U.S., you cannot. But it was on Hulu. Oh, was oh, it? it's on Hulu. Oh. Yeah. We had it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I was going to ask, man, for 58, did, did Maggie Smith look super wrecked in this movie? <laughs> I'm sure they made her like <laughs> older, right? Yeah, there, was some, <laughs> there was some heavy old person makeup. I, I, th- I thought it was pretty obvious, the old person makeup. Which is weird, because they basically did all this work to make Maggie Smith look the way Maggie Smith looks now, but just a slightly artificial version. I know. I was thinking, like, does Maggie Smith not age? Because she just looks the same. That's what I said to Brett, too. I'm like, Maggie Smith is, like, the person who's been perpetually the same age for, like, four decades. You know, I I truly think Maggie Smith was the best thing in this movie. I was absolutely captivated by her that first moment she was on screen which granted is is classic spielberg camera work but she was every moment she was on screen absolutely captivating she was great i'm not denying that she was great but i will counter with and i think brett feels the same that 
that uh, Hook and Smeed were the best thing in this movie. You know, I have this weird memory that Dustin Hoffman, like when I saw it before, like Dustin Hoffman was terrible in a terrible makeup job. And I don't oh, know where wow. that memory came from because he was fantastic. Yeah, he was great. He was yeah. a chameleon. It was, I couldn't see Dustin Hoffman in that at all. That one scene, the don't, don't, yeah. don't try and stop me, Smee. Don't try and stop me. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who plays Smee, I fucking love him so much. Like I, yeah, I remember Bob when Hoskins. I was a kid, I loved his character in this movie as well. Like Smee is just they it, he's such a small bit character, you know, in most other Peter Pan movies, but they really like they just gave him so much to work with. It was amazing. In fact, some of my favorite quotes from the movie were his two quotes, and that was uh he's Peter Pan or I've got a dead man's dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I've had an apostrophe. That was amazing. Yes. And then he said, "Lightning struck my brain." And, that must have hurt. And yeah, that must have hurt. <laughs> so my general feeling on this movie is very similar to my feeling of John Carter. I felt like John Carter was a really great movie if you just cut out this one little part in the middle, which was the entire time he was on Mars. <laughs> And I feel like that with Hook. This is a really good movie. If you just cut out that one little thing in the middle where they're in Neverland, cut all oh, of that I out. totally disagree. And you've got a great oh. movie. You're breaking my wow. heart a little bit. It was long and meandering. and The Neverland stuff's the best part. No, London was the best part. I had a, a little bit of that thought, but it wasn't the whole Neverland thing. It, we, we reached the moment at which I remember going, this is dumb. And then I turned it off. Uh, and it's, it's the part, the training sequence. Yeah. The uh, training montage. I thought yeah. it was before when he was running away from the lost boys. And then they had that weird, like, like drum music and they were like playing basketball oh, yeah. on skateboards. Well, I love the pirates. And then I love the pirates again. And then all that stuff with the lost boys. I was like, ah, I don't know. Oh, I totally disagree. The scene with the food fight is like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. There's a lot of heart there. I feel like this movie could shed 45 minutes. Yeah. I disagree. I actually felt like, and maybe it was just the contrast of watching Batteries Not Included, <laughs> but this this movie to me, I never felt like there was a moment that lagged that long. Really? Like, I felt like it was every scene I was enjoying and it just kept going for me at a good amount of time. In fact, I kept thinking of because I think there's some parallels to Goonies too as far as like the writing and whatnot. Oh sure. Um and the feel of the movie. And in Goonies I felt like there was shit that could have been cut out that didn't hold my attention. But this I felt totally engaged the whole time. I, I loved the training sequence. I loved I loved everything about the Lost Boys. I, I kinda think that like they could have cut from the when uh when they couldn't think of a transition for how to get him off of the ship into the Lost Boys. Oh uh, yeah. I think they could have cut was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> straight from there to uh to the food fight scene and skip everything that happened and then it would have been like, Oh yeah, no, he right there. He's like he, he started the that that one scene captured the whole transition from adult back to Peter Pan. Uh, so yeah, but it would have been too harsh of a transition if, like, the next scene he's believing. Like, he had to have that emotional beat, you know, to get there, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. But it's at the same time, there's a lot where I was like, okay, I get it. I, I know what has to happen next. And it took a while to get to what happens next. But maybe that's really just investing in your characters and spending more time with that growth. Yeah, I mean, Bryce kind of commented on that, too, where he was like, they're really hammering that in, aren't they, that he's Peter Pan. But yeah. I feel like for somebody, you know, I appreciated the fact that unlike a lot of modern day movies where people just kind of like flip on a dime, like I appreciated the fact that they took the time to develop his character and really like... I think it was a more realistic transition that it took him mm. a while to really get there. Yeah. And it was more of a breath of fresh air when he did have the change. Yeah. And they yeah. set it up to where he was such a workaholic that like 
it really made it impactful. And if somebody was that like ingrained in work and like hated fun that much, I wouldn't <laughs> expect them to suddenly like become childlike, you know? Mm-hmm. And they did, they, cause the way they wrote his story is that he started as such an adult and then kind of slowly waded into like being a kid. And then they pushed him too far past into being too much of a kid and had to draw him back a little bit, which is really interesting for his character. Like his brain is broken. (laughs) (laughs) Like they really like some dude with Alzheimer's or something like totally just forgets everything. Well, there's something about that. I don't understand. I get that when you go, when you're, from Neverland and you go to the real world, you forget. But I don't understand. I guess that works in the other direction, too. Because the longer the kids so. were in Neverland, they forgot the real world. Yeah. yeah. There was a little flaw in the logic of Neverland for me there, where the flaw for me was more, as far as I've always understood it, and it seemed like that was the narrative that they were setting up for most of the movie, is that you know, orphan children come to Neverland when they've been orphaned. And so they're from, the Lost Boys are from all different time periods. And if you looked at their clothing, you can see that they're all dressed from different time periods, which explains why some kids have skateboards. Some kids look like they're from the 20s. You know, like they, they're all from different time periods because they've been orphaned throughout time. That one fat kid was from the future where fat people are the most flexible people. Uh, but like the, the thing about Neverland that I've always understood is when you come to Neverland, the age that you are, when you come, you freeze in time and you never grow up and you are that age forever. Yeah. But somehow Peter Pan went there as a baby. As a baby. Yeah. And like grew up. So that like logic didn't make sense. I think that makes sense because he went back to London so often. So he was like visiting. To look through windows. So every time he'd go back to London, he'd age. I guess I could buy that. But so he went back to London as a baby and aged. Yeah. I don't know. He ran away as a baby. (laughs) That kind of bothered me too. (laughs) It kind of bothers me that so Maggie Smith starts this home for orphans. Why doesn't she take the orphans to Neverland where it will be much more awesome? Because there's pirates. Wasn't the whole point of the original Peter Pan that Ma- Maggie Smith's character doesn't like Neverland and it's and it's shitty and she and she and all the lost boys need a parent and and need to not be yeah. in it. So I think that's probably uh, why. I don't know yeah, the original story. Yeah, she was giving well. them. She she was the mother to the Lost Boys, and so yeah. she gave them, you know, the mother that they needed, which is why the daughter child kept harping that in so much as well. You need a mother. Need a mo- okay, um, so then I changed my, my issue. My issue is now, so Maggie Smith starts a home for orphans, but leaves a whole bunch of them stranded in Neverland. Yeah. Fuck those well, they, specific orphans. They, those those lost, lost boys made the decision to stay. They yeah. wanted to stay. That's and the way I understood it, And maybe it she too. forgot to fly by that point. Because that was a thing mm-hmm. she said. She did say she forgot to fly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as I understand the ending of the original is it's not like they just left those lost boys. Those lost boys decided they wanted to stay in Neverland and not yeah. grow up. Okay. Yeah, but like, you know, if a little kid was like, hey, leave me, leave me here in the jungle alone. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you get Jumanji. (laughs) Yeah. Also, how is that dog still alive? Like, seriously. (laughs) Right? That dog should be dead. (laughs) But it said Nana. It's Nana 2, okay? Nana 2. It should be like like Nana Nana 5. Yeah. Yeah, Like, that dog would be so old. So, those of you who know the the original book, I'm really curious if this line is from the book. My guess is that it probably is. But there was a line that kind of made me cry a little bit, which was, we can do everything or nothing. All we have to be was anything. Aww. Oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was when, the Tinkerbell. Oh. When she first came to get him. We could do anything or nothing. All we had to do, all we had to be was anything. Did it just make you cry because it was Julia? You're like, oh, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a beautiful concept, especially when you're, you know, when you're traveling and, you know, you can do anything you want just because you can choose to be the person who does those things and... But yeah, Julia Roberts was pretty damn captivating in this movie. She was great. 
e- even though they were clearly doing the okay now give us the laugh like they did several takes of give us a julia roberts laugh but even yeah. still it was very adorable and endearing and yeah so we've we've previously like ripped on the the comping in in other movies but that first scene where uh julia roberts uh like walks up his his chest uh, on the bed was like Mm -hmm. so well done i was like this is great yeah yeah Yeah, i was gonna say i thought the graphics held up pretty good you know i mean obviously they weren't the best but there was even one point where she's talking to hook in the beginning convincing him to let her take peter away yeah and she's looking up at him and hook uh, moves his arm across her and if you watch carefully you see the shadow of his arm cast over her as well and i was like pretty impressed with that they probably had yeah. ilm going on there yeah that's true yeah the I, the, the flying away into neverland scene was very uh special effects heavy and poltergeistish. yeah uh, <laughs> yeah but the blankets flew up straight the green smoke yeah we were laughing straight up yeah <laughs> I really enjoyed the staging with Tinkerbell, especially the idea of the dollhouse, that she fell inside the dollhouse. Mm -hmm. Because then suddenly we're in this, you know, this dialogue scene with reverse shots where they're both just standing in a house. And it looked like they were talking to each other and they're just both on other sides of a room because she's inside the dollhouse. It's funny that you... I really like that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that dollhouse scene. Like... I, as soon as it came on, I told Brett, I'm like, oh my God, I remember this dollhouse like so clearly from when I was a kid and like the little clasp and how it opens up and like... I remember wanting one. Me Did too. Want one too? Yeah. yeah. And it's a quick scene, but I think it was a scene that really appealed to kids. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, like Nick was saying, it kind of brought the story into the kids world because up until that point is very much in the adult world. I like that, that, that totally. you were both hit by this just excellent piece of filmmaking at an age when you didn't know what was going on there. Yeah. It just affected you. It just worked, yeah. which is really yeah. remarkable. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's interesting because you've talked before, Nick, about films that are like told from the child's perspective. And this is a film that like has that feel, but it is an adult, you know, but it's it's got that... Magical. I think it. I think it was a movie that was about a journey into that tone. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it, it's it's just done so well. It felt wrong that the movie wasn't completely embracing that tone because we had to get there. You know, and mm-hmm. then it felt yeah. right. Then it felt yeah. like we had hit our rhythm with what that movie was trying to be. Totally. Yeah. So my my one problem with Tinkerbell. I'll, everything we just talked about, I love. But my one problem with Tinkerbell was that is, dress. I know, right? No, <laughs> no. The, I the think I know what you're going to say. Of a love story. Yes, uh, I agree. Like, yeah. There's yeah. absolutely uh, no reason, no benefit. Didn't do anything. That is not shoehorned in. That is 100% authentic. That is like, from, from the, the original story. She was jealous of Wendy when Wendy first showed up because she was in love with Peter and she saw Peter starting to fall in love with Wendy and she gets jealous and she even attacks Wendy. So that is not shoehorned. That is 100% authentic to the book. But is it like a bitch? Yeah. But is it like a friendship jealousy or is it like a romantic jealousy? Uh, no, she she's like, she liked, she definitely got jealous you know, I mean, I guess you could interpret it different ways, but I don't yeah. think, you know, I think... I think the issue with realistic. it is, like, it's not that it couldn't happen, but it's more like uh, in in it, the, essentially, fan fiction that this movie was, um, <laughs> that they, they forgot to remind the audience that that was a thing until the end of the movie. Mm. If that was there throughout the film, it would have made more sense at the end, but it just kind of seemed like, oh, by the way... Uh, like, I'll be a side girl. And he's like, all right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are well, we think, shipping yeah. Peter and Tink? 
<laughs> my bigger problem with it was like it's not just tank the bigger picture of like peter's just like getting all the ladies and yeah. it's kind of creepy oh, and weird mermaids. it bothered me well like yeah the mermaids and like oh i'm just gonna marry your great grand you know my girlfriend's yeah. great granddaughter like and i think there's weird. there's an extremely important thing that needs to be articulated which is if you see a girl and fall in love at first sight <laughs> and she is asleep, it is not okay to kiss her. No. <laughs> this is not acceptable. There's some stuff in these older movies that is just not okay to do. I, I'm entirely unfamiliar with the story, but do you, but I've heard this thing. Was that kind of like Twilight? Where like this, the side character marries one of the, the main character's kid or something? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Because I had I've that thought, and I was like, "This reminds before. me of like the horrible Twilight things I've heard." <laughs> well, it's like uh, Captain America. He was in love with Peggy Carter. Yeah, then in the future, he's yeah. in love with Sharon Carter. That always her hit granddaughter, me. right? Uh, niece, I think. But oh, still, okay. it, it was always a little weird to me. Yeah, yeah, same idea. Where it's like, well, I'll just move further down and literally cradle, cradle rob. Like, gross. <laughs> well. You lucky men, you don't get to age. <laughs> you don't get to age? Yeah, it's totally cool for, like, old men to be with young, hot women. The, the but, Amy Schumer oh. thing, uh, yeah. the, the last fuckable day. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, oh, in, in defense of Captain America, it is age-appropriate in both scenarios because he was frozen Fair. in ice for 40 years. Fair. So, speaking of, like, things that I feel like don't fly today or just like are weird about this movie i feel like spielberg has a personal vendetta against fat kids because oh my god <laughs> there were so many fat kid jokes well i think that's that's the 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 80s there's the fat kid in stand by me I the fat kid in 90s. sandlot it it's that uh, late it, 80s 91s? early 90s it released yeah. in the 90s but it was yeah. so much special effects i bet it was filmed like at least in the 80s in <laughs> at least 90 well, you know, like a year a year no, ahead what it was is that the script was probably written in the 80s yeah. and by the time oh it that's got, true yeah that's I true i mean nevertheless there were many movies that that we've seen here on this podcast where they make fun of the fat kid there's just always a fat kid in the group yeah it's like a running joke in the 90s of the fat kid oh my god i just realized something both all right am i uh, this could be a spoil this is a spoiler alert for lost and i can stop if you have you guys finished lost i will never watch lost i have not I've finished it because in both this movie and Lost, when our main character leaves, he leaves the fat kid in charge. <laughs> ja Peter, Peter, we have to get back to the island, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, guess, oh, I guess he was giving the sword to the one kid who couldn't leave for gravitational reasons. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. He no. needs a really, really happy thought. Oh, like super happy thought. I thought you were gonna say like the only kid that actually like did some damage to the pirates. He was the only one that actually well, fought. He did. Peter did give him the sword. He was like, "I want you to take care of everyone who's smaller yeah. than you." And I was like, "That's everyone." Is that another Ouch. fat kid joke. Oh my yeah. god. Well, it's funny because they like they they had they tried really hard to hide it, but they had one shot in this in the movie where it was like, you know, oh he's fat and he can just step on the planks of the dock and hurt people. But then then they had like the slightly wide shot and it was like, no, he's still like a third of the size of that adult, but like yeah. he's still going to like outweigh yeah. him for a joke. Somehow the science doesn't work. Did you guys yeah. notice at the very end when he's like giving the sword and choosing who's going to be the leader? There's like one brand new kid who is not there the whole movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, right in the middle, the blonde, yeah, the blonde kid. kid. Yeah, it's like where did you come from? Uh, yeah, totally. It's like, totally. yes, we fought those pirates. I was with you. I was here the, the whole time. time. Yeah. So, sorry, sorry, you only have happy memories of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Nick, did you love Mr. the Poopy moment? Butthole. You were here <laughs> the whole time. Nick, did you love the moment that was basically the equivalent of a car catching on fire, but it was a boat catching on fire? Do I don't remember, remember that. that. It Did was the little prop boat. Yeah. It was like the little prop boat and Hook shoots it and it just instantly <laughs> bursts into flames and then it just sinks. 
even though it's in water. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did love is the cameos. I did oh not pick God. out David Bowie, but was that what David yeah. Bowie? Uh, no, not David. Why did I think oh. David Bowie? Um, God, I was going to um, say I have to rewatch it right now. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, I didn't pick out Jimmy Buffett. Oh, but I do think I saw David Crosby as one of the pirates. Huh. Um, I did, he's his name's on the list. And Phil Collins was the police guy in the beginning when the kids disappeared. Oh, my god! And he was really good. Like, who would think that Phil Collins could act? Huh. It was weird. <laughs> Ouch. No, I mean, if he can act, why hasn't he been in other stuff? Why would he do Phil one Collins scene in one? So. You don't know who Phil Collins is? Who's that? What about? Uh, in the Air Tonight, he was in Genesis. Don't know these things. He's a very, very famous. He's an extremely famous musician who you should know. What about and, uh, young Gwyneth Paltrow? Holy oh, shit. So, good. so let me ask you this. There was a moment where they showed Peter's mother in the flashback. And I was like, is that, <gasps> is that Gwyneth Paltrow? I thought it was too. And I was like, is she playing the same, like two different characters? Like her yeah. the mother and? Because it was weird oh. a few minutes later. Okay, that is definitely Gwyneth Paltrow. So now I don't know if this person I saw a minute ago is Gwyneth Paltrow. I totally felt the same way. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I also it just looked like they shot on the set of Waterworld and added pirate stuff. Well, you know, they may have. I've heard these stories that like a good percentage of the costumes you see in post-apocalyptic movies are just Waterworld costumes. Like there's a lot oh, yeah. of shit that I would they believe just keep it. and reuse over and over again. Yeah, I've been in the um the I I think it's IS prop house and it's just huge and it's it's amazing because they have everything categorized toward like, you know, like here's all the Indian stuff. Here's all the cowboy stuff. Here's all the like early Victorian stuff. Mm. Like everything's categorized and here's by the water time period. Wind. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so crazy the amount of stuff that they have. They do, um, they do auctions every so often. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a friend who does really cool like, costume making and she bought stuff from Waterworld oh, and she wow. has a couple of the costumes so I like uh, in LA there's a store maybe two of them where sometimes they sell clothes that they've used in TV shows huh oh yeah and I've heard of this I went there a few times because I really wanted some of the clothes that Donald Glover wore on Community it's like That's I want creepy. some of that wardrobe <laughs> just to wear <laughs> I want not because of a Donald Glover skin. crush, but because I just dug the clothes that he wore. It's okay, Nick. No judgment here. <laughs> a little bit. I just want to wear the same clothes. <laughs> I want to feel his scent on me. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else really love the handy cam guy at the play in the beginning? Who's just like got this huge handy cam recording the play. You know, that whole totally thing was like that. all of the modern cliches that you would see in a movie now. Except it would be iPhones videotaping and it would be iPhones interrupting the middle of the show. Like oh, yeah. all that stuff are completely modern, just with older equipment. The one, the one completely unrealistic uh, technology joke they had was the cell phone quick draw. Oh yeah, that uh. was so bad. So bad. <laughs> oh my God. Which also leads me to one of my other favorite quotes, which happened at the end of that scene. Where the lady turns to him and says, don't worry, more people crash in cars all the time as he's going off to get on an airplane. That's what I told Brett. I'm like, that's like saying, don't worry, the fire's not that hot. You burn faster in lava. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like, don't say that. God, why would you say that? Yeah, and then they're on the plane and it's shaking and uh, and his wife turns around. I'm like, the seatbelt sign is on. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was just like, why don't you take Xanax like normal people and knock the fuck out? <laughs> they also had that, that classic thing that I see all the time in movies. Like, this airplane is way too roomy. You've got so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Room. Well, yeah. the thing is, is like decades ago, that probably was a lit- at least more close to what an airplane was like than they are yeah, today. They were flying Maybe. Pan Am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, Pan Am? My God. Oh, that reminds me. Didn't you feel like they were setting up that Peter would have to use that parachute? No. Well, like once was, in Neverland, he should need that parachute for something. 
the parachute was the payoff. Well, the it, setup was the drawing. I, I thought it was it was a yeah. uh, uh, just a, a early like Peter Pan can't fly foreshadowing thing. Oh, that no. too. Yeah, that's I, pretty good. I thought it had more to do with the kid's character arc. Like he was so mad at his oh dad. Oh God, he can't and fly it, and he's afraid of planes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just now putting that together? I totally did just put it together. Oh, my God. There's so many layers. Thanks for interrupting for that. I was going to have some touching, heartfelt thing about the kid and his forgiveness of his father, and you ruined it. Yeah, but it was the little girl who gave it to him. I thought it was the boy, but... Okay, never mind. Then that doesn't make any sense, and I'm wrong. But I think you're still right in the sense that it was supposed to be a setup and payoff story arc for the children, for sure. Yeah. How he can wrong them and, like, ignore them, and they still only care about him and his feelings and his attention, and he can't reciprocate that. Yeah. And I think the little girl felt like she did something wrong because he yelled at her, you know, in that scene, like get them the fuck out of here. And so I think it was her way of being like, I'm sorry, daddy. I love you. Yeah. Take this parachute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a normal worked. thing just, children make. <laughs> I just assumed it would come back in Neverland. Well, you should write Spielberg. Dear Spielberg. Miss Dear opportunity. Spielberg. I'll write them just like Brett Ratner. And then maybe he'll hand me a career for no reason. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Also, did anyone else notice that it really seemed like they had a favorite child and the favorite child was Jack? Yes. Yes. No, the so mother's much. favorite child was the daughter and the dad's favorite child was the Was boy. it? Because when they ran into the house to check on the children, they both ran to Jack's bed first. Hmm. I'm just saying. Maybe. And then she just disappears for half the film. No one knows where Maggie is anymore. Oh, look, she's in that window at the end. Yes, that makes she sense. She had her... She had her little American tale, like, sing a song about being alone thing, yeah. and then they got rid of her. That's all they needed her for. <laughs> <laughs> she showed her beautiful face, yeah. like, she's done. Or or Jack, I will say that Jack seems like someone who's mentally unstable and easily confused as well. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he literally forgot yeah. his dad's face. I guess so. I wonder how much of it the kids are going to remember. Because that's going to be weird going through your life being my like... Dad's Peter yeah, my dad's Peter yeah. Pan. Bring your dad to work, Dave. Fly, Dad. Come on. There's just a carbon monoxide leak in their house. <laughs> <laughs> they all just went insane. Does, does Peter Pan go back to his job as a like a mergers and acquisition attorney? I think he just quit well, by throwing the phone out the window. Yeah, I mean, they like, got I a wanna... pretty sweet house in London. Yeah. Well, that that's what's-her-name's house. Well, so I was, he said that line at the end, and I was like, I don't think that other guy is going to get that joke. <laughs> yeah. With the, you, yeah. you want to know what you, it feels like, like to fly? You like to fly, don't you? How about this? And the other guy's just on the phone. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. And we already know he was, like, going to just say hello into the phone for, like, three hours. <laughs> Maybe this was a time when cell phones were so new that uh, Robin Williams didn't understand that the other guy didn't see the things <laughs> that the phone saw. Like when you're a little kid and you talk to grandma on the phone and she asks you if you liked your birthday present and you nod your head yes. Yeah. Or like when, when, the files when you're Bryce and you record computer. a podcast and somebody asks you a question yeah. and he just nods his head. Right, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I I'm gonna say I enjoyed this movie. I think that really, despite it, the middle of it. <laughs> I, well, I think I think this movie could have been trimmed down significantly. I think you could very easily take 30 minutes out of this movie. Um, but still, yeah, the magic was there. I think what I did see of this as a child, I never saw the beginning, and I think that's super important. And oh really I'm yeah in love with what maggie smith does in this movie so it's a shame that i never saw that so yeah i i think this is uh one case where i thought the movie wouldn't be so good and it ended up being much better than i expected what do you think brett i thought it was pretty good i have some of the same concerns you do with the with the the pacing but one of the things I really liked about this, especially because we saw Warcraft last night and it, and it was so bad, was that they had a couple of really fantastical kind of locations. But 
the way Spielberg actually shoots this stuff, he doesn't overdo like how awesome the places are. And there's lots of really close up. It's, it's still about the characters. And, uh, I think a lot of modern movies get away from that where they're just like, look at this fantastic yeah. place. Like every look single scene. Spectacle. Yeah. Whoa. And like in a movie you get, you get one, you know, like it's not long enough where you can keep throwing like more and more fantastic images at people because then it just, if every, you know, it's, if everything's fantastic, then nothing is. Yeah. And so this one was really cool. They had like one or two great shots and then everything else in the movie was character stuff and the characters were so good. And I kind of want like a Dustin Hoffman as, as hook, uh, just like I wish there there was like a TV show or something with that. I just want more. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, it's pretty well, good. Well, you can't because the alligator ate him. Yeah, there's a uh, John Malkovich as a pirate TV show. What? what? You can always go to that. Yeah, maybe definitely want to see that. Yeah, that I only saw one. Weird. It was it didn't really hook me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Did not even mean to do that. I was like, that was that was pretty clever, Nick. I've been I've been infected by puns. That was like me last night after watching Warcraft, and it ended, and I just turned to my brother and I went, "Wow!" And then I just and then I just face palmed real hard. That's pretty great. Oh, that's so funny. See, they should have had uh, uh, Christopher Walken in the WoW movie. And then you could have oh, said, yeah. wow. <laughs> and then it would have been good, right? Yeah, because yeah, he's oh, boobs. Yeah, that that would have changed everything. <laughs> so what do you think, Sam? Uh, I enjoyed it. It kind of is pretty much exactly what I predicted. Like, it wasn't flawless, but it was still entertaining and... I think it holds up remarkably well, especially in the special effects area. Um, and I really liked the character development that they did. And overall, I think it was pretty good. Ash? Yeah, I loved it again. I, I really enjoyed every single minute. And, you know, if I were to sit down and have a child, I would be like, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you were to sit down and have a child, how do you think this process works? Shut up. <laughs> the moment where Hook's like, your parents used to have fun before they had you. I was like that. That's how I feel about children. <laughs> Why but, would I lie when the truth is so much more fun? Yeah, it's so true. Um, but I think if, you know, if I had to pick a movie between, like, Goonies and this, I would definitely show them Hook. Like, I think Hook stood yeah. up to the test of time more than Goonies did. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. I love, I think it was a really good, fantastical adventure. And they did, you know, like you were saying, Brett, you know, I think the set design and the character design is so great. It's easy to fall into that world. So what do you think, Bryce? It was pretty enjoyable. That was a rave review from Bryce. <laughs> More than one word. That's a 12-star review. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed uh, re-watching Hook. Uh, I, think, I think all in all, it's a pretty decent experience. I had a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you like the show, uh, w- this is part of Last Ash TV. It's this podcast and a YouTube channel that has all kinds of stuff on it, like video game parodies and a drinking show where me and Ash get super drunk. Very uh, and, and there's guests on that. Um, there's a cooking show. There's That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. Yep. I mean, we have we have Comic Con interviews, um, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check that out. It's Laugh TV on YouTube and subscribe. And also check us out on Twitter. You can check out Laugh TV at Laugh TV on Twitter. And then you can also check out this podcast at Let's Rewatch on Twitter. And be sure to tweet us your movie suggestions. We've been doing a few of them. They've been. <laughs> mostly good (laughs) (laughs) they've been a mixed bag (laughs) um but thanks to everybody who's been tweeting at us eric ralph as always 
uh, Chris, Christopher, a lot of people, Glenn, thanks for tweeting at us, telling us what you think of the show. Tack, as always, as well. And um, do let us know if you have any movie suggestions. You can also email us if you want to write in and give us a movie suggestion or give us some hate mail about how you think we're so wrong <laughs> to let's rewatch at gmail.com. And thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you are so inclined and you really do truly love us like we think you do, could you please go ahead and give us a review on either iTunes, Google Play Music, Libsyn, or Stitcher, or all of the above, because that's just how awesome you guys are. And I don't think you write an- reviews on Libsyn. You I don't? Libsyn is just our... You can the- they can leave a comment. Can you? you can oh, leave a okay. comment, yeah. Anyway, go ahead and re- leave us an awesome review if you loved us so we're gonna keep doing this every two weeks be sure to check out uh the feed uh subscribe to the show and we'll be back in another two fridays from now with another episode of let's rewatch yeah and next time we'll be watching a horror classic santa's sleigh (laughs) (laughs) is that an icicle he has I think it is. (laughs) Is it an ice sickle?